food companies know how dopamine works. Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, that's weird. I've craved, you know, Kit Kats since I was six years old. You probably had an experience where it was really fun. And mm -hmm. now every time you want something reminiscent of that time, something like a Kit Kat's what's going to give you that mm -hmm. memory. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But if you're ready to level up your life and get results that truly matter in your health, business, mindset, and relationships, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Sheer Madness, where we have unscripted, real conversations with the world's top athletes, entrepreneurs, and coaches. Discover real world and tactical advice from the best in the business. Let's go. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sheer Madness. Today I have Dr. Amy Shaw joining us on the show. She is a double broad certified medical doctor and wellness expert specializing in allergy, immunology, hormones, and gut health. She came on the podcast a little bit over a year ago, and we talked everything about how to spot and avoid burnout and the importance of circadian rhythm fasting. And today we're going to be diving all into gut health. And as you guys know, I am so passionate about gut health because your gut is literally connected to every system in the entire body. So we're going to be talking all about why gut health is so important, what wreaks havoc on your gut, and what we can do to restore balance. Dr. Amy Shaw, welcome back to the show. Oh, so great to be here. It's been a while. Thank you for having me back. Yes, it's been a little bit over a year, but I love the podcast that we did. And I know that my listeners have been begging to have you back on and especially to talk about all things gut health. And I know for myself that gut health has become just such an important journey in my overall health. And I did not even realize just like the power of our gut microbiome and how that plays such a huge role. And when my health really plummeted at the peak of bodybuilding and competing, and so many of my listeners know my story, probably it's like a, a broken record at this point. But I went to like every doctor under the sun. I did all of the hormone testing, the thyroid, my hair was falling out, my skin was a wreck. And I could not get any answers. And I was just so blown away that normal Western medicine wasn't talking about the bacteria that lived in our gut. And that's really what brought me down the entire path of functional medicine. And once I fixed my gut and my gut microbiome, which was so off, so toxic and dysbiotic, it was like my skin cleared up, my hormones started to become balanced, my mental health massively improved. So I've literally now made it my life mission to help people also optimize their gut health and even heal. So mm. I'm so excited to just like nerd out with you here today <laughs> all it. about gut health. But let's just kind of dive into a little bit like why the gut is even so important and like what it even really is doing in all of these different systems. Think of the gut like little soldiers. Gut bacteria are like soldiers in our body, right? They're the army. They talk to our immune system, which is our own army. And they're making decisions all day long about how we're going to feel, how we're going to digest, are we going to be inflamed or not. And so when we're trying to treat inflammation, we're trying to fix our hormones, we're trying to improve our mood and energy levels, that's where we need to look. And a lot of people are like separating them all out like, oh, okay, I'll take something for my thyroid, I'll boost my mm -hmm. adrenals, then I'll take something, an antidepressant for my brain. And they're yeah. not realizing that if they fix their gut health, all of those things would improve mm -hmm. and you might not even need the medications for each individual area. Yeah. And that's exactly what was even happening with me. I was put on birth control for my hormones. I yeah. literally didn't even have a menstrual cycle anymore. Thyroid medication, antidepressants. So I was given all of these, you know, band-aids yeah. to just address the symptoms. And I continued to get worse and worse and worse to the point where literally they want to do a full colectomy on me because the bacteria also play a huge role in the motility yeah. in our gut, the transit of food. And for me, the motility had completely come to a halt because my thyroid had plummeted. That plays a big role in motility. Yeah. And just my gut was so inflamed. I looked like I was six months pregnant at the end of every single day. And here I am supposed to be this like fitness enthusiast, yeah. bodybuilder. I was focused on macros and all of these things. And 
physically from the outside, it was like, okay, I looked, quote unquote, in good body composition, which right. someone would determine as health. But on the inside, like, my gut was a wreck overall. Yeah. So I think it's just such a, a misconception when we think of just body composition solely. It is a, an important role, right? When it comes to overall health, we have to look at that. But really the power of our gut and that bacteria. And I know one thing we talked about on the way over here to the podcast was just the cravings even too. Yeah. And I know so many of my clients and even for myself when my gut was off, I craved sugar like nonstop. I even then switched to artificial sweeteners that I thought was better. better yeah. And then my gut just got worse and worse and worse. So what are some of the things that like when your gut is off that it can cause you to do and crave, how it affects your appetite or even beyond that? The thing that really spoke to me is what you're thinking right now, what you're craving right now, if you're feeling happy or sad or energetic or tired, it's dependent on your gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. It's the signals that they're sending up to your brain, whether it be the bacteria or the nerve. You have like nerves that go straight to your brain and they're dictating the show. We're like puppets, right? Like they're pulling all the strings of our emotions. And I think once I understood that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense why there's a food mood connection mm. that makes sense why when you improve gut health you automatically feel more energetic and that made sense to me that sometimes when you're craving something you're not actually hungry but you're responding to the signals that even negative signals that gut bacteria send yeah. to you and by improving the balance of the good and the bad bacteria you can alter the signals so mm. you won't be craving as much and or you'll have different cravings and you actually they are able to figure out that certain bacteria cause certain cravings mm. and other bacteria cause others like so if you're someone who's always craving sugar that's a sign that your gut bacteria might be off. Mm. And if you change it to, say, a good gut bacteria, you might switch to craving, you know, healthy food. Mm. And so I think that that feels so empowering because then it doesn't feel like, oh, well, I'm just stuck in the cycle of, like, yeah. eating poorly, hating myself and eating, you know. And then it puts the power back into our hands being like, okay, there are steps. Yes, we don't know, besides a fecal transplant, we don't know how to exactly completely transform yeah. your gut in one swoop. But we do know that by three days, you can completely change your entire gut microbiome. Just I mean, three it's, days, it's, they've shown? There is a study that shows that in three days of rapidly changing your diet, so they had people that were on like a standard American high meat a processed meat, like burger, fries, mm. and sugar diet. And they switched them to a very clean mm. kind of Mediterranean-style diet. In just three days, a completely changed mm. microbiome. And it's so crazy that it starts so quickly like that, yeah. that we can change our mood, our emotions, our cravings, and can start that quickly. Now, you and I know both know that it's, it can be a really long process, mm. and you're constantly trying to get better, but to know that that can be so fast is really cool. Yeah. I think I even saw a study at one point from a guy who ate, I think, like McDonald's for a yes. straight week. I can't quote the exact study, yeah. what it was, but maybe you know the one I'm talking yeah, about. And, and just like the negative change on like his overall gut microbiota yeah. just from eating the standard American diet, processed meats, sugars, yeah. simple carbohydrates, yeah. you know, sodas, and just wreaked havoc on our gut. And like looking at the difference between between the two, I, I find that like so fascinating as how rapidly it can change yeah. to the negative, but also to the positive too. And I know even like for so many of my clients that I've worked with and myself too, like I said, I had so many sugar cravings. We do notice a change, right? When we like pull out a lot of those foods from our yeah. diet, like a lot yeah. of the cravings tend to dissipate overall. So you're saying a lot of that really goes back to the bacteria are actually yeah. changing and the bacteria are what's really changing. They're signaling, signaling. to the brain what you're feeling right now. Mm. So, you know, we talk about America and the modern world having such a mental health crisis. You know, depression and anxiety are up 30%. We're like the unhappiest we've been in 50 years. And then you look at 
our food and what we're doing with our diets and our lifestyles. And it's, it's clear to me that there is a connection now that we know what the gut does and how it communicates to the brain. But there's a connection between this poor diet. It's like a highway. We're on this highway. And basically, if you want to be healthy, you have to get off the highway. It's not like mm-hmm. the default is depression, anxiety, feelings tired and crappy, having cravings and not really ever feeling your best. Mm. And you have to get off that highway and choose your own path. And that's what's really hard because, yeah. so the, you know, if you just follow what all, you know, what everyone does, you're going to suffer. Yeah. And I think that's what's like so unfortunate is like that is the the programming right now is that it is normal to be overweight to have these massive cravings to really just trash our body really is what we're we're doing and these foods are just wreaking havoc on our gut therefore our mental health and it's just like this continuous cycle over and over again and I know for myself I was so surprised because I even went to the Mayo Clinic like for all of my gut issues and they didn't even like talk about the gut microbiome they didn't talk about the bacteria and I was like I'm going to the best place in the United States for the treatment of like my gut issues and my hormones they did like this crazy extensive genetic testing even on me I found out I had something called like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome like cool (laughs) but um but I still didn't get any kind of answers overall yeah and I just was like blown away that like this isn't something that's talked about more I think it is a little bit more Mm -hmm. now like for people like you people like me Mm -hmm. who are taking a little bit more of a of a holistic Mm -hmm. a functional let's get to the root cause of what's going on here let's look at food instead of just, hey, what's your symptom and kind of doing everything based off of symptom clusters. And I think that's what's part of the problem, in my opinion, is it's like, okay, you have depression. Here's here's a medication for depression. Yeah. Okay, you have gut issues. You have an irritable bowel syndrome. I know when I got that diagnosis, I was like, well, no, no shit. I have irritable bowel yeah, syndrome. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm here because yeah. my gut is irritable. Let's help, help me figure out why overall. What do you feel like the disconnect is right now? The problem is, is that medical studies in the U.S. are most, they're expensive, right? Mm. So who's funding the medical studies? It's people who can get benefit from it. So there's a lot Mm. of companies that fund it and mostly medications that you can, you know, so if you look at medications, every medication on the planet has been tested because they want proof that it works. It's that economy is driving the research. And so when you talk about something like diet, something like improving gut health. And even though we're finding out more and more about the microbiome, we really haven't put it into practice Mm -hmm. yet. It takes about 10 to 15 years for new research to even Mm -hmm. get to the standard of practice. And luckily, the microbiome research has been exploding over the last 10 years. So I think we're at the turning point where it's going to start to become like normal medical advice, but we don't have to wait for it to become kind of like standard. We can do, some of these things are so easy and so inexpensive that you should be doing it anyway. And eating right is going to help you in many, many aspects, not just gut health, right? And to your point, I think in America, we focus on either we're not focused on food at all, like even fitness people, people like you who were amazing looking people, like you look super fit, right? But you weren't healthy. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a difference between looking fit and being healthy. And then on the other hand, there's a lot of people in America who are like, desperately trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. or fix their health issues and they don't even know that the biggest needle mover would be their gut health Mm -hmm. that's huge and I know one thing I've always said is like we have a food industry that pays no attention to health and we have a health industry that pays no attention to food yeah really so there's like this massive disconnect and it's like what is really the the driving force here money political power I mean that's a whole nother rabbit hole to (laughs) definitely go down another day but I think you know just hearing like the power of the bacteria in our gut how that's playing a role in our cravings so part of it is of course like changing our diet to Mm -hmm. break that overall cycle but also I think what's so fascinating is the research in overall mental health and especially after COVID where you know depression anxiety you know all of these things are at a high yeah the research on gut health is also so fascinating there um and even just like looking at things like psychobiotics overall as like a whole new research of like 
like the use of probiotics and actually yeah. improving people's mental health. So outside of cravings, what else does the bacteria do? Yeah, so I, I think people don't realize that gut bacteria make serotonin and they mm. make dopamine and they make adrenaline, acetylcholine, and GABA. And so all these things that we equate with like brain health are made by gut bacteria also. You know, GABA is kind of like a calming Mm-hmm. neurochemical and there's um, acetylcholine there's adrenaline as you know is like a very very stimulating and these are things that the gut bacteria produces and so when we talk about being happier or having better sleep or even having less anxiety you should be looking to those gut bacteria because we are going to get to a place where we're going to be able to tell people exactly which gut bacteria does what. Like we know now, like Mm -hmm. proteobacteria does negative things for the gut. Mm -hmm. We know like lactobacillus helps with the serotonin and dopamine, but we don't really know how to get it into our gut Mm -hmm. without just actually eating right and exercising. We're getting so close to learning like how to even modulate our gut health in a way to help change our personalities Mm -hmm. really. So if you have people who are suffering from really severe mental health disease, or just Mm -hmm. having a lot of depression or energy issues, burnout, there's now going to be ways that you can specifically increase their gut bacteria that Mm. produce serotonin so that they feel better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super exciting. And then we also know that there's like at least five different ways that the gut communicates with the brain. So there's not just the bacteria, but even there's sensors in the gut itself that can sense sugar or Mm. can sense other toxins and send signals Mm. to the brain. So we're getting tons of input. So if you drink a toxin, say you drink some alcohol, your gut in four different ways communicates Mm. to the brain that, hey, there's a toxin here, especially when you start drinking a lot, then you start to feel sleepy. It's because of these signals that the gut is giving to the brain. Yeah. And I always explain it to people, like, if they don't believe in, like, the power of the gut-brain connection, like, think of the last time you got really, really nervous or anxious Mm -hmm. about something. I know for myself, when I get really nervous, like, the butterflies or, like, the running to the bathroom and having different kind of, like, you're just, everything's coming out yeah, or, or yeah. vice versa. You're not going to the bathroom because yeah. your your brain and your gut are just communicating so much overall there. All the time. I mean, I talk about a really fascinating study. They know that schizophrenic, um, people who have schizophrenia have different bacteria mm-hmm. than people who don't. So they blinded the researchers and they just showed them microbiome data. And they said, like, can you pick out, like, which one's going to have schizophrenia? And they got it 100% correct. Wow. And then what they did is the second part of the study, they took the bacteria from the schizophrenic patients and also the non-schizophrenic, and they put it into mice. So it's Mm -hmm. like a fecal transplant, but into mice. And they mixed up the mice. And the researchers were able to pick out which ones were given the schizophrenic Mm. bacteria because they started to display aspects of schizophrenia in the mouse. And so you can literally transplant personalities or personality disorders and mental health disorders from person to person uh, based on their bacteria. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just nerding out about this. But I know, like, I'm just, like, obsessed with, like, all things gut health. Yeah, I mean, it's And I find that incredibly fascinating. And I've even heard similar studies about, like, right, taking mice who were obese and doing the exact same thing and redistributing their bacteria into lean mice and, like, the, the mice gain weight. So it's, like, it's playing a role in, like, the mental health side of everything is playing a role in even like weight loss. Even yeah, as well ghrelin, too. leptin, neuropeptide Y. And, you know, there's all this study about like even things like when you look at the sun, right? When you spend a lot of time outside, you get the inputs through your eyes. It goes through your brain and then it goes into your gut because your gut actually needs sunlight too mm. to communicate. And they've shown that to be a nice way to control cravings and hunger Mm. because yeah and it's like because of that gut brain connection Mm. and the bacteria they have circadian rhythms like even though they don't ever see the light per se because they're like deep into our bowels they have circadian rhythms like they Mm. have a watch they have an inner clock where they know what time it is and then based on the food timing of food 
And then the signals from the brain mm-hmm. and the nervous system, they know whether it's time to be awake or what to do or what to produce. And so it's like so fascinating that yeah. it's all connected like that. So it's kind of like a double whammy. Like it increases your cravings when your gut bacteria is off. But yeah. then on the other side, like the bacteria can literally be causing you to gain weight yeah. even as well too just by I've even seen studies of like increasing how many calories you're yeah. absorbing from the food yeah, that you're eating. Yeah, they can actually, there are certain bacteria that, absorb more Mm -hmm. fat and more calories from the food and they you know produce toxic biochemicals that make you feel tired i mean our diets are such a huge needle mover Mm. in our gut health and our mental health how we feel on a daily basis and i think people just i think it's so hard to break the cycle i call it like getting outside the box. So I think we, people just think like you have to live in this box where you eat what you've always eaten and you kind of live this life. And if you really get outside the box, so literally get outside, get sunlight, get outside the box of eating the way people eat or live in a different way, like according to circadian rhythms, you're going to notice that your life is so much better. I think it's, it's hard just because it's not known though, right? Yeah. Like it's really actually not that hard, yeah. like, right? But I think we're just so caught up in food for pleasure and yeah. this hyper palatable food and we're not really paying attention to like this food isn't loving me back at yeah. the end of the day. Like this food is causing inflammation, is disrupting my gut. Mm-hmm. I feel like shit after, but I think just most people are living in this place so they just feel like this this constant low energy, this constant fatigue, this constant depression, anxiety. So they know nothing else, yeah. but they only know that they temporarily feel good, right, when they eat these foods that are hyper palatable, right? Because that that increase in dopamine from that reward yeah. system from those foods, but later on, they're now depleted in these feel-good hormones, like you mentioned, serotonin and dopamine mm-hmm. and all of this. And it just like, okay, now I'm depleted, but now I need to get my fix, right? Yeah. So I need to get this food in again that tastes good. I get this immediate release of dopamine. And we just get into this vicious cycle and we feel so so trapped in it. But it's so it feels hard, but it's it's honestly like not that hard, in my opinion at least. Yeah. Um, You can get dopamine from like really delicious, healthy food or like fun things that feel really satisfying Mm -hmm. to you. You don't need to get it from drugs and alcohol and unhealthy foods. I think that is like the default. But if you really realize like, oh, you can do good things like exercise releases Mm -hmm. dopamine. And that's why exercise can help with cravings and sunlight releases dopamine and eating healthy foods. You can actually train once you start to change your microbiome, there are good bacteria that will send dopamine to your brain when you are eating something healthy. And so once you force yourself, instead of waiting for the motivation to hit you, mm-hmm. if you just start to make these changes, the gut bacteria will help you. Like exercise will help you. Yeah. I think we've all known either people or ourselves where they just start taking action day mm-hmm. after day. And then all of a sudden the action kind of creates a motivational piece like it starts to fuel it Mm -hmm. um, even further so the first couple of days are really hard maybe the first week is hard but then you start to enjoy it you start to feel good because that's the dopamine response Mm. of doing good things I always think of it this way when you're trying to get to your goals there are things that will keep you motivated so say I'm writing a book like I'm coming out with a new book right and along the way you know, I wrote a chapter and I feel so good and somebody reads it and they're like, this is amazing, right? So that is a dopamine rush right there. Mm -hmm. And that little mini celebration that you do for yourself inside keeps you motivated to go back and do more. But if you got that compliment and you really didn't celebrate it or you didn't Mm -hmm. really take it seriously or you didn't even notice it, you might you know, while you're writing chapter three or four, or the next chapter, you might be so exhausted and lose motivation because you don't, you didn't get the dopamine hit along the way. Mm. And so I think when we're trying to get to our goals, we have to think about, okay, Vegas knows these secrets, by the way. They know that if they want to keep someone playing all night long, they basically just give you a little reward. Mm-hmm. So you feel good. And then you keep wanting to play. And then you want more and more yeah. and more. Yeah. So there's like that initial push through period. I think that's the part that's hard for most people because it's like, oh my gosh, I still have the cravings. I still feel 
like shit, right? Yeah. Depressed all of this, but it's like having to push through that and then letting our body really then crave some of these other foods. I I think most of us can even (laughs) kind of speak to that. Like, like that initial change is hard, but our body will then eventually kind of kick in and work with us. Like I, I love my food that I eat every single day. It's, it's whole foods. I really barely eat anything processed, maybe ever like once in a blue moon essentially. But I, I actually like crave those foods, but always like the big differences I tell between my clients is, you know, this is food I will eat and I will be able to listen to my hunger cues. Like I'm hungry. I'll want to eat it, but I'll stop eating it. Like once I feel full and satisfied versus a lot of those hyper palatable foods, right? They taste almost like so good. Like you can't just stop eating these foods. So you get that massive reward system, kind of like what you talked about, like in Vegas with like, oh my gosh. And then immediately after that, you just can't stop because you're like, this is so good. And you will override your hunger cues. And then you just keep feeding that addiction. So part of it is for a while leaning into a little bit of that discipline, that push through. But eventually your body will actually start to change like the cravings for those foods because your gut bacteria is changing, your chemicals in your brain is changing. And then we can really kind of get into like an awesome rhythm and then start to reap so much of that reward overall The dopamine system, the craving system, was created to keep us alive, actually. It sounds so weird because how Mm. would that system want to keep you alive? But if you were full, say you ate dinner and it was thousands of 5,000 years ago and you were walking through the jungle and you saw a huge tree full of fruit, Mm. you would immediately stop and your brain would want to know that. Like, where was that tree? And even though you're full, you eat that fruit and it creates this dopamine response and this memory where you're now going to remember where that tree is. And it's a survival mechanism because when there's no food, you're going to have to remember like, how the hell, where was that? And you need to go back to that place in order to survive, right? So think about it now, instead of fruit, it's like even more adulterated. It's like pure sugar and it's giving you yeah (laughs) and it's giving you that massive dopamine hit and that memory and so now when a lot of people will know like they'll be driving on the freeway and all of a sudden you have a massive craving Mm. for something where crispy cream or you know like a burger or something and you literally your dopamine system is so strong that it will create a way it will make you create a Mm. way to get that Mm. because it had already had like a neural pathway was already set Mm. long time ago when that first dopamine hit came. And so I think it helps people understand like, okay, well, maybe the things that I crave aren't just like part of like, you know, there's this whole movement against like, oh, just eat what you crave. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, but that's (laughs) no, No. because that would be fine if you weren't taught or you weren't given these very high dopamine releasing foods it would be fine but you have probably grown all of us have grown up now in a place where these food companies know how dopamine works Mm -hmm. and they do their best to place their products in ways so when you go to the movies when you go to a baseball game something Mm -hmm. like really fun with your family and you eat these dopamine releasing foods now you relate that fun that family feel with those foods and those companies knew that and they positioned Mm. themselves in that way. And now we're addicted and we think, oh, oh, that's weird. I've craved, you know, Kit Kat since I was six years old. And it's because you probably had an experience where it was really fun and satisfying Mm. and it involved Kit Kats. And Mm. now every time you want something fun, reminiscent of that time, something like a Kit Kat's what's going to give you that Mm. memory. So it's really interesting how we can kind of use that memory and that goes from like the gut bacteria that's sending the dopamine signals kind of retraining it and saying Mm. like you can also feel really you can get a dopamine hit like we said from exercise from getting sunlight from being with friends like Mm -hmm. maybe switch the dopamine hits into positive rather than negative and you can see so many changes it's not like you're not born with your cravings and you don't die with the same you can change yeah. it and I think a lot of the cravings even too like it's it'd be very different if we were like 
hunter-gatherers, right, living off of, like, fruits and vegetables and, like, listening to those hunger cues is, like, completely different than somebody who eats that standard American diet that's just, like, full of all of these processed foods and then I'm listening to those cravings because that's what I've been exposed to. So, like, very, very different. I think once you do switch, though, like, right, to eating, like, a whole food diet, very similar to, like, a paleo diet, so fruits and vegetables, healthy fats like avocados, nuts and seeds, like, high-quality animal protein grass-fed fish I think in that scenario like it can be better to lean into your cravings but I'd say it's not so much always cravings at that point it's more so like this is what my body is has an appetite for this is what my body is craving from a nutritional standpoint not from a feel good just immediate like huge huge hit to dopamine like there still can be a dopamine yeah you want dopamine response you just want it in a drip in like a small release fashion um so it keeps you motivated towards your goals rather than like a full-on release pattern and i think like i get a lot of i mean it's proven that certain foods can boost your dopamine level so that's why like healthy foods nuts seeds uh, chocolate dark chocolate (laughs) dairy products people who don't do dairy they could do like fermented dairy or nuts and seeds are a really really good one they can boost your dopamine levels just by eating those foods Mm. so you can really do a lot to change the way you feel or how many cravings you are having on a daily basis there's certain foods that you just don't have a good dopamine relationship with Mm. and those are just foods that you're never going to it's going to be really hard to change that and it's probably best not to have that in the house all the time like i'm sure you can think of something where you love it so much it's a pleasure mixed with pain it's almost an uncomfortable feeling when you get it because all you're thinking about is like should I be eating this how am I going to get more like is there enough yeah so it's like that like (laughs) you're enjoying it but you're also kind of like anxious about it and that's because your dopamine system is like oh my god it's like dopamine is not pure pleasure it's like this mixture Mm. and so if there's a food like that that you think about, you know, that you has can't— control over you almost. Yeah, has yeah. control over you. That's a sign that, that you have, like, kind of an unhealthy dopamine relationship with. Mm. And that's something either you either work on or you just remove from your life and you only have it in yeah. controlled settings. Like, I realized that when I started eating healthy, that baked goods, especially, like, chocolate chip cookies, um, healthy, healthy, mm-hmm. um, were— you know, great. And I would buy all these like healthy chocolate chip cookies or bake them. And I realized that I had an unhealthy relationship. Like I would be Mm. thinking about when I can have it again. Oh, only one, Uh, you know, like, and then I would feel like this weird feeling like, like I described, like a pleasure and discomfort at the same time. Mm. And when I learned the science, I was like, oh my God, that's why when I buy a whole batch, I eat it in like three days because Mm. it's like, I can't, it has control over me. And so now I know, okay, well, that's okay. Once in a while, when I want to have it, I will bring it into the house, but I'm not going to, this is not something, a battle I want to fight every day. Mm. You know? Are there any like common, like high dopamine releasing foods that are like super addictive that most people should try to like steer away from, especially if they're like battling food addiction? Yeah. I mean, it's different for everyone, but alcohol is big one mm. i mean that's probably one of the most and common gut killer for sure yeah. yeah and a lot when i tell this to clients they'll say oh my god that's my relationship with wine or that's mm. my relationship with margaritas or that's my re-. and i'm like it's funny because it's different for people right like mm. that's not my relationship with alcohol like it doesn't give me that dopamine. but you get how it can happen because one it releases dopamine and it's also dopamine memories and so a lot of people can't have a good relationship with alcohol because it's that dopamine thing and they have to be on a plan where either they only have it when they go somewhere or they completely cut it out of their life because Mm -hmm. having it in the house means that they're thinking about it and they're waiting till, you know, what, five o'clock every day so that they can have it and it's an unhealthy relationship. And I know people who are watching and listening I know you can identify yourself because so many people I talk to name alcohol as one of them. Yeah, and I think that's such a powerful point for everybody who's listening. Like, what are those foods that— 
are just like so so addictive that cause a little bit of that anxiety like we should enjoy her food but like the food shouldn't have control over us essentially yeah. like we don't and keep like that doesn't need to be the food that yeah. you keep in your house all the time with alcohol it's hard because we live in a culture where it's accepted to have it all the time but if you're having an unhealthy relationship with it you're not the person who can have it in your house all the time and I think we even consider like we're gonna have like awesome self-control which maybe we do have that discipline but we also have to consider ourselves when we have those those days of like okay I didn't sleep very good yeah okay I'm really really stressed out today where maybe we're already not in the best energy place ultimately you know I know for a lot of people who've been like let's use alcoholics for an example but you know when they're in that state and they may have the best intentions and have been disciplined when they've been on sleep with their diet and maybe they've been like working out and getting that good sleep but then they get to this point of stress or a low or something happens in their life and guess what right there waiting for them is that go-to dopamine hit so it's like creating that safe place in your home keeping it like out of sight out of mind out of the home you know I'm all for like it's okay to have like sometimes like treats every now and then but it shouldn't like have massive control over us essentially is what I'm hearing you say yeah exactly so if you enjoy ice cream have ice cream once in a while but don't bring that favorite flavor that you can't control yourself around every week. Yeah, like, it'll be gone if it's in my right, freezer. Exactly. I can't keep it there. But, it, that You already yeah. recognize that. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. And when they say that, they're like, oh, so it's not about willpower. It's like literally a survival mechanism mm-hmm. that's ingrained in your brain. And you will do what you need to do to get that. Mm. So it's not about willpower anymore. It's yeah. about not having that accessible to you or just make it harder to get so you don't have to fight that battle every single day yeah it's being your advocate for that future self in a lot of ways of when you're at that low and even kind of going back to what you were saying about alcohol I think like that's even a double whammy of what wreaks havoc on your gut because not only does it like kill your gut bacteria but it also causes gut permeability as well too I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Kenneth Brown but I had him on my podcast I think about a couple years ago he was uh, one of the first physicians to really do a lot of research in SIBO or small intestinal Mm, bacteria overgrowth and he came on my podcast and he talked a lot about how they've actually shown that when we get a leaky gut or that gut permeability it actually leads to a leaky brain or a breach Mm. in that blood-brain barrier so now we're actually getting a lot of these things and toxins to cross through the blood-brain barrier that otherwise really shouldn't leading now to more of that toxic brain and then really reiterating a lot of those mental health issues, which what we were already talking about. So now the gut bacteria is off, our gut lining is permeable, and then now we have a breach in our blood-brain barrier, and it's like all going back to the gut. Yeah, it's so crazy that things in our gut, like, okay, I think we touched on food sensitivities or food allergies a little bit. So people will say to me, it's so weird. I'm sensitive to all these foods that I never was before. And I always think of intestinal permeability because what happens is foods that weren't supposed to get into the bloodstream or little pieces of food do, and you build antibodies to it, and now you're building a response when you eat it. So then on the counter side, if you want to fix your food sensitivity, not food allergies, food allergies you cannot fix through diet, but food sensitivities, most people, most people will notice that all of a sudden, Once they fix their gut, they are Mm -hmm. able to tolerate small amounts of gluten or small amounts of dairy, small amounts of soy, and they could never do that before. And it's like, oh, now your gut is so healthy Mm -hmm. and you have that thick lining of gut bacteria and you're able to tolerate so many of the foods that you could never tolerate before. Yeah. When my gut was off, like I couldn't even tolerate foods like avocado, which is like a healthy food. Like I loved it, but I would like blow up like a balloon and get so much inflammation. And I'm like, there is no way like I'm sensitive to avocado, but I'm always, you know, preaching that like food sensitivities aren't the root cause. Yeah. They're part of the symptoms. And so many people will do like those, those LCAT tests or like, what's the one that's always going around online? I feel like- Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot. But, but you know, it's IgG from, testing. Yeah, yeah. But they always are like, I can't eat any of these foods. Yeah. And I'm like, do it in a few months. It's like cilantro and stuff like yeah. benign things that and you're I'm like, like. You were not born with a sensitivity yeah. to like 
20, 30 different yeah. foods. I was like, you have developed this, which means you need to work on your gut health. You need to work on your gut lining and restoring that, pulling out the foods that yes. really wreak havoc on your gut lining. So I know we've named a couple already so far. We've talked about alcohol. That's yeah. a big gut disruptor. Sugar. Um, sugar. What are some other ones? Artificial sugars. Artificial like, sugars. Um, especially aspartame and sucralose. Mm. So aspartame is like, you know, the pink packet, sweet and low. Mm-hmm. And sucralose is the yellow packs like Splenda. Those two have been shown to really, really wreck gut bacterial diversity Mm. and numbers. We still think that stevia and monk fruit and xylitol are acceptable, you know, natural sweeteners because they don't really have those effects. And, you know, the uh, other things, emulsifiers and emulsifiers and foods often are unknown, but they cause a lot of havoc to our gut bacteria. Mm, like xanthan gum, guarb gum. Yes. Yeah. And I even know in like studies too, like SIBO studies, because that's what I had, they literally would take five grams of xanthan gum, give it to people who had bacteria overgrowth to make that bacteria be like live and flourishing. So then they could treat them with antibiotics to try to kill them and it would work that much more efficiently. And I remember reading that study and I'm like, Oh my gosh, so I have SIBO and I looked at all these products and it was like in my pre-workouts and my protein yeah. powders and all of those like nut milks and on the back of it. And I don't think like at a at a totality standpoint it's it's bad necessarily, yeah. but I think especially if you have like so much bacteria overgrowth, it's very, very fermentable to that bacteria. Yeah, and a lot of people are eating these sugar-free and fat-free foods trying to get healthy, right? Like you're like, oh mm. well. I'll just have the um, sugar-free, fat-free version. And a lot of these companies, what they do is for sugar-free, they put sucralose or Walden Farms. Do you know that brand? Yes. That's what I would eat so much of when I was competing in bodybuilding. It's like just pure chemicals, but it was calorie-free, fat-free, all of this. I was like, I can eat as much of this I want. Guess what? I'll still be fit. And guess what? I had all these gut issues. It's so funny because you bring up such a great point. It's like, this fitness world or this health world, there it's still like there's so much poor gut health going on because of these foods that we're eating, like a lot of sugar-free products, a lot of artificial colors. Like these pre-workouts look like they're like glowing in the dark, you know? And then they have these flavors that are super unnatural. And you think that you need all that to look a certain way, mm-hmm. but you really realize, wow, am I getting fit to look fit or do I actually want to be Mm. healthy like it's like there's a difference right like Mm. you if you really want to be healthy then you probably don't want to ingest a ton of artificial sugars colors flavors gums all these chemicals because that's not going to be good for your gut in the long term. Yeah. And I think that's like where a big gap is with the fitness industry and just like the health and the wellness industry is the fitness industry just looks at calories and yeah. macros and how much protein, but it'll be loaded in all of these artificial foods that wreak havoc on your gut, where then the wellness you know side may pay a bit more attention to your hormones, your gut health, which is awesome, but not always pay a whole lot of attention to body composition and getting enough protein. So so yeah. it's really finding the blend, I think, between the two. And that's really been like my mission of yeah. like, hey, we can look good. We can get the six pack. I'm all for having a yeah. six pack, getting a, a bigger booty. If you guys follow yeah. me on social, yeah. you guys know I'm all about that. I'm like, but never at the expense of your health. And that yeah. was like where I went through the biggest lesson of my life of almost having my large intestine removed and all of these health issues because I only cared about the aesthetic standpoint and yeah. I wasn't paying attention to all of these other different factors that were just so so important and now like you can definitely do both and when you combine the two it's like oh my gosh yeah that's, that's when everything lights goddess. up <laughs> I totally agree yeah I was sharing with you off camera before is that I've really tried to I came from the health and wellness side and I've really tried to up I start to do the fitness side mm-hmm. of it so lifting more heavier more resistance training eating more clean protein And I realized that there is such a disconnect between the two worlds. One world doesn't know how to get fit, and the other world doesn't know how to fix their health, Mm. and neither of them are getting the results they really want because it's a combination of the two. We want to look good. It's okay to want to look fit and feel fit, but then you also want to do it in a way that's going to help you in the long term. Like when I'm 
75, I want to feel healthy and vibrant. Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like, oh my God, I can't do anything because I wasn't taking care of my health for the last Mm -hmm. 25 years, you know? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I want to have it all. Like I want to be like the youngest old person ever. And I want to be like, I got a six pack. I'm lifting heavy weights. I'm feeling amazing. My mental health, I'm just thriving. I'm crushing it in all areas. So I think like we can have the two and it's like up to people like you, like physicians and and dietitians to really be an advocate for both. Like we need to talk about, are you getting enough protein? Are you paying attention to your intake? Are you doing resistance training? Mm -hmm. But are you also addressing things like your gut and paying attention to your relationship with food and how this plays a role in your mental health overall. So I think this is just such an important conversation that people really, really need to hear. Uh, And I think that the thing is, is that to look good and to feel good, to find that intersection is going to be a lot of work. It's like the next level. It's you cannot live and eat and be like the normal American person if you want that. And I think that's really like where it opens the door like, oh, so this means that I'll have to step outside the box in the way I eat every day, the the habits that I have, mm-hmm. the time I go to sleep or the time I wake up. And I think that's really the, where, where your eyes open like, oh, now, for example, for me, I'll take some meetings or I'll do my emails when I'm walking outside because I know the importance of circadian rhythms. I know that I need to do some low-intensity walking. Uh, sorry, exercise. So walking is great. And I know that I can kind of do all those things and then do my resistance training as my workout later. So then I coordinate my day so that I get my outdoor time. I get my intermittent fast. I do a fasted workout in the morning. I have... Um, that input to my eyes for the circadian rhythms. And then I'm eating a gut healthy meal when I break my fast. And then I'm going to do my resistance training later in the day. And then I have to like really manage my sleep and my stress Mm -hmm. levels, like to get it right, to get to that intersection. Mm -hmm. Like I know how hard that is Mm -hmm. because I'm living that. And it is really, I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. I think the initial like getting there is like really, really difficult. But once like you You have the equation down, like I know for myself, like healing my gut was like so much work to do. Like, especially like if you had like the amount of bacteria overgrowth and all of the symptoms that I was having and some people don't don't have it to like that degree yeah but like that was a massive amount of work and especially for people who like we've just been fed the wrong information right yeah you know from our food system from our healthcare system and all of this stuff and now to like completely change that like that part's difficult but I think like once you really get into that rhythm and you also reap the reward right like you're like oh my god I'm waking up thriving yeah. like full of energy like my mental health is better I'm more than creative than ever like I'm crushing it now and my work like I have so much more ideas and I'm feeling confident in my body when I look in the mirror like that person like I'm proud of that person like there is that level of self-discipline but I also think it really comes down to having enough self-respect for yourself to do that work and I think so many people just don't respect their bodies enough to put them through that level of yes it's uncomfortable it's hard at that beginning but like you're so worth it to do that work to get to the point where like you're proud of that person who looks in the mirror yeah. and that nobody else has done that work except for you. Like you yeah. busted your ass yeah. and you did that work and like you can be like so proud in that. And like I think that like is a feeling that nobody else can give you and not not taking a medication, not doing any kind of quick fixes, not like a, you know, a 12 day cleanse, whatever, yeah. like not nothing against those. But, yeah. you know, I think it really does come down to like, I'm willing to do the work and I'm willing to do it because I'm worth it and I have enough self-respect for myself ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, when you actually write down or think in your mind, you make a list of absolutely the essential priorities for yourself. And when I did that, you know, health and career and family were up there. And then I had to take out some of the things that didn't make Mm. it to the top three. And it's hard because you want it all. Like we want to, everybody wants to party and everyone wants, you know, to have, you know, hobbies. And like, so there's a lot of um, reshuffling. So as I've gotten busier over the years, I've had to say to myself, okay, so maybe what I need to do is the things that are really important, but not as important. 
I need to deprioritize and put boundaries on mm. so that I'm not wasting my time on social media, say, and or going to events that I don't need to go to or like hanging out with like certain people that are negative, like mm. putting boundaries around the things that are not getting you to that highest level mm. and like going all in on the few things that are going to get you like fitness and nutrition and mm. spending time with positive people and being outdoors and exercise and sleep. And if you prioritize the things that really, and those are the things that mean a lot to me, it might be very different for someone else, then boundaries become super important because then you have to say no to a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know what's really helped me is like just getting clear on like core values, like what those are and anything that's not part of my core values. It makes it so easy to just be like, okay, I really don't need this. This is yeah. part of my core values. If I have a core value that is like health and wellness, like if anything I'm doing doesn't align with health and wellness or it's like destructive towards my health and wellness, like that's something that's that's got yes. to go. So I think that's like such an important part. Like also like with having a toxic gut and like sugar and, you know, the artificial sweetener and these different foods but like getting rid of like toxic people from your life and having boundaries like those also play a massive role because we know stress can also really really wreak havoc on our gut too yeah stress is like the big one in Mm -hmm. fact because if you think about it you know for people who don't know when you're stressed your body shuts off digestion right because you want to get prepared to run you wouldn't want to go like to the bathroom number two like in the middle of an animal chasing you so your digestion turns off essentially and everything is focused into certain parts of your brain. So you can't think that clearly because you're focused on very immediate, dangerous task at hand. And then you just want um, simple sugar because you want to fuel that mm-hmm. big run. So when you're constantly in that state, that's why people get so many gut health issues from stress. Mm-hmm. And then they can't sleep because their body's like, no, you're in danger mood. We're putting all our attention into this area of your brain that can protect you from danger. We're going to take away all the blood flow and all the attention from the complex thinking area, the memory. So people will say like when they're in periods of high stress, Mm -hmm. they just can't think straight. They can't make complex decisions because their body has is, is shutting that down. Mm. They can't eat or digest foods because their body shut down digestion and everything, all your blood flow is going to the big muscles mm-hmm. because it's ready to run away. Mm. And so I think when you understand the stress response and we stay in the stress, stress response so often because news media, social media, all of these um, outlets have figured out how to grab that danger mm-hmm. signal into our, put that danger signal into our brain. And so when you're feeling danger and you're feeling threatened, you can't think straight. You can't Mm-mm. eat properly. Yeah, fight or um, flight mode. Yeah, and you can't sleep. And so a lot of people are living in that perpetual mode because they don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So stress is being a big, big, big one as a gut disruptor. I think for myself too, like I was massively emotionally stressed out too. So it's also dealing with like the shit that's going on inside yeah. your head, your trauma, your chronic stress, lack yeah. of sleep. Yes. That's going to also disrupt your gut. Yeah, lack of gut. sleep is like a bad, big disruptor. Mm-hmm. Circadian rhythms is a big mm. gut disruptor. So we don't realize that our gut bacteria have clocks inside of them. They need sunlight from our inputs from our brain to go down to them to know when it's daytime. We need sunlight for every single cell in our body. When we're getting lots of bright light late at night, it's confusing to our internal clocks because our clocks use external signals Mm. to like retune. And they're like, wait a second, we thought it was night, but she's sitting in this like bright overhead light room with like a big phone in her face. And so learning to live closer into sync with circadian rhythms can like Mm. massively improve your gut health as well yeah I think everything what I'm hearing from like you is like going back to like get more sunlight (laughs) like get out in the sun yeah like the best thing you can ever do in nature nature has an effect on our gut that's even different than just the sunlight so being in nature for some reason even if you're not playing in dirt but especially Mm. if you're gardening or playing you know touching or doing things you inadvertently pick up lots more gut bacteria by Mm. being outside. For me, I realized, oh, okay, well, if that's easy, that's an easy fix. Like I can spend, so it looks like 120 minutes of nature time a week is like automatically increases your well-being in ways we don't even understand. Yes, it's cortisol. Yes, it's 
gut health, but there's some parts of it that are still unexplained. Yeah. And so that's an easy way to improve for our gut I health. I think part of it's also like that spiritual part of it too, yeah. like connecting with nature, connecting with ourselves too, like getting yes. in the presence overall and like what that can do for just like healing for the body in so many different levels. Yeah. So I, I know we've touched on a, a few of them. I just want to summarize, but sugar is yeah. a big one. Artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Uh, antibiotics and sanitizers. We like didn't say yeah. it clearly, but antibiotics and overly sanitizing Mm. your life is going to kill that good gut bacteria. So all of like the COVID hand sanitizers. Like of overly that we doing use. it, you know, like yeah. now we realize, hey, we might have overdone it a mm. little bit. I mean, not a little bit, a lot. A lot of it. By, <laughs> you, by using these very, very toxic cleaners and antibacterials when COVID is not even a bacteria. And so we don't mm. need to be killing everything off of, yes, if you're in a place where people are sick, you want to sanitize. But if you're just in your home with healthy people, you don't need to be using yeah. these super, super strong antibacterial cleaners. And you definitely don't need to take antibiotics just in case. Yeah, household cleaners, yeah. especially like the ones that get on our skin. Like yeah. people don't realize like your skin is also absorbing everything. That's also affecting your gut. It's not just the foods you're putting into your body. It's like what you're also putting on your body and then you mentioned antibiotics too which you know makes sense because you're literally just like killing bacteria what about uh like NSAIDs and those yeah type of medications yeah too? exactly I mean medications even supplements I mean mm. they're so toxic uh, the food the processed foods um all these ingredients in processed foods like trans fats and mm. uh, we talked about sugars and we talked about uh I mean the gut health effects from the foods the typical standard american diet is just insane in fact they don't any diet that you compare to the standard american diet is way better for gut health Mm. than the standard american diet and so something else is uh that is a gut health killer is eating around the clock Mm. so our gut needs sleep um our gut bacteria needs sleep just like we need sleep but their sleep happens when we don't eat when you're trying to heal your gut And just in general, you need to give your body a break. Like when your melatonin gets released by your brain, it's also binds to all the hormone, uh, all the places around the body, like the pancreas and like the GI tract and says, okay, guys, it's time to switch to repair renewal mode. There's not going to be food coming. Um, It's time to go. You can't be doing everything at once. So the body has to switch to like Mm -hmm. a second mode. And then... What happens is most Americans are eating 30% of their calories like after 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And they're eating like a big, huge meal right before bed, maybe at like 10, 11, midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to, through a drive-thru. And you're basically trying to wake that gut bacteria up and the digestion, the digestive juices of your intestines and your pancreas. And you're trying to say, oh, sorry, I know you were sleeping, but I need you to do a full job right now. It's like waking you up in the middle of the night and asking you Mm. to do the highest performance work. And you're like, "Uh, no, or you just do a a shitty job and then you feel exhausted the next day. Mm. And that's what's happening to our gut bacteria when people are eating like 16, 17 hours a day. People literally just stop seven to eight hours to go to sleep Mm-hmm. And then they're rolling out of bed and eating the first thing again. Yeah. Or like the constant grazing just yes. like all day long. And I talked about it recently on my social media, but like the body's migrating motor complex. And especially if you already have gut issues and you can have gut issues without actually having gut issues like yeah. bloating, distension, diarrhea or anything like that. You can just have like the the mental like yeah. gut issues side of everything. You can have like skin issues. Autoimmunity is also a, essentially a gut issue because yeah immune system is really really in our in our gut but that constant eating like how Americans just are eating like every 30 minutes and even in the fitness industry too going back to that I know I was taught like eat every you know two hours to keep your metabolism going and I'm like that is the most bullshit advice ever like one you're just like keeping your blood sugar constantly like spiking throughout the day so you're never really getting any fast and then your gut is really never getting a chance to rest and we never get those cleaning waves that migrating motor complex to really clean out a lot of the the food the bacteria and the toxins and that's actually what creates a lot of bacteria overgrowth for a lot of people so I think meal timing is really really 
really important there. Huge. I mean, there is a coach, a fitness trainer that a lot of my friends were training with. And he told them that if you wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, that you should have your shake. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And he's like, you know, you need that constant, you know, metabolism, yeah. like protein hit. And I'm like, is he freaking crazy? Like, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and have a shake? Yeah. Like, I think so many of those guys, though, too, they also just are carrying such an inhumane amount of muscle mass anyway, too, where yeah. they just have to, like, to even maintain that level, like, especially if they're not even, like, already on things to help them. They're literally just having to, like, shovel so much food to maintain that, where the body naturally doesn't want to have that much, like, what some, like, extreme bodybuilders look oh, like. Yeah. And the bodybuilding industry has definitely evolved. Like, it used to be, you know, like, like very aesthetically pleasing where now you're like this is like just like a box like turtle <laughs> this yeah. is the only way I know to describe it so and it's very having eating there. that much protein is destructive to your body so there's this concept of like there's a happy medium for protein and yes most people are under eating it and especially as they get older and they're doing under utilizing resistance training but you definitely can overdo it also. Mm. And if you, you know, as you know, you can't process more than a certain amount of protein per meal. And if you're having way, way high amounts of protein, you're not doing your body a favor, especially in the longevity realm. Mm. That's a really, really interesting point for sure. That's why, I mean, bodybuilders, like, notoriously, you know, don't have long longevity long lifespan yeah. yeah yeah so we've talked a lot about like all of these different things that can disrupt your gut the standard american diet sugar artificial sweeteners inflammatory fats trans fats household cleaners antibiotics medications stress meal timing what would you say are a couple tips that people could do pretty immediately that would really help restore balance to their gut because I kind of going back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast is like you can change your gut bacteria yeah. in as little of three days so what would you say are a couple things people could start doing yeah one of the like okay so simple non-food ways would be um, just like stop eating two to three hours before bed mm. even just have a 12 hour break between yeah. you know meals like, normal like fast. something just <laughs> bare yeah like a normal human like biological overnight fast yeah. it's like I call it circadian fast because it's like you're meant to follow the sun in the way you eat. So if you want to improve your gut health in the simplest way, just like cluster as many calories as you can during the daytime hours and have as little as you can, you know, in the night, late in the day. And then, uh, which is the opposite of what most people do. Yeah. And then um, that would be the easiest like non-food thing. And then food-wise, I think, it depends, okay? So if you're someone with SIBO, like if I told you, go ahead and go eat a ton of fiber and fermented food, mm -hmm. you'd probably be in a worse place. Like I know a lot of people out there are probably like, oh yeah, I tried the whole increasing my fiber and probiotic foods and I feel like crap yeah. because you can't take this inflamed gut and just throw food at it. You have to, like the food that it usually likes because it's not able to, it's not able to digest that yet. So you want to really start with very simple changes, like take out the sugar. You know, it was, Rachel, it's so weird to me. Like even thinking about when I was in training and a young doctor, like if somebody told me to take out the sugar in my diet, I would have been like, what? Like, I can't do that. And now I'm like, just take out the sugar in your diet. You know, like mm -hmm. it's so hard to do when you're eating such a high refined sugar diet. But once you do it, you realize what you were doing yeah. to yourself, you know, like, so taking sugar out of your diet and just keeping, like, people always ask me, like, is fruit okay? Yes, fruit's okay. Um, you know, are artificial sweeteners okay? Well, only if it's, like, stevia or monk fruit. And if you really, like, xylitol, there's a couple that are um, safe to use in small amounts, but you really don't want to have sugar in your diet. Mm. That's, what, like, number one. What would be some, like, gut-healing foods? Yeah. I'm a big bone broth fan. I'm not yeah. sure if you are. Well, I— I grew up vegetarian, so I never mm. had bone broth, but I know how good it can be. So mm. I think that it's a great way to kind of like heal your gut, especially when you're not able to digest like a ton of food. I think leafy greens 
are an amazing thing for people who have a lot of gut health issues already. Mm-hmm. So like if you're increasing your vegetable, so there's things in vegetables that you cannot separate out. So for some reason, when they looked at the most anti-inflammatory foods in the world, they found vegetables to be the most anti-inflammatory, the vitamin A, the vitamin E, the, but you can't separate it out from the vegetables. So you want to get as many vegetables into your diet as possible in a way that's not going to like super yeah. inflame your gut. So you can start with like easy things like leafy greens, you know, cooked spinach, um, that kind of thing, and then move yourself up to things that have more fiber. And um, I think that would be like a very simple way to improve your gut health. Yeah, I know for me, arugula was always my go-to yes. because arugula is also a natural bitter. So yeah. it actually would help increase stomach acid, which is often depleted in a lot of people who have developed things like SIBO over time. And it's yeah. very low fermentable to bacteria. So maybe getting some low fiber. I or, love arugula. Yeah, yeah. Low, low fermentable type uh, vegetables in the diet. Yeah. Um, working on meal timing, I'm hearing. Yes. Um, I'd add in, add in some like good healthy fat. Um, yes, if you can tolerate fats. those, yeah, those are huge. Yeah, super important for your blood sugar, yeah. balancing that, supporting your gut health, and then healthy protein. Healthy protein. I think healthy, um, like whole proteins, are uh, an amazing way um, to also help you with your cravings and your satiety um, Mm -hmm. hunger hormones like eating a protein breakfast really can set you up for a good day Mm -hmm. for the rest of the day yeah always eating like protein and fats is like your first meals of the day and then the last one I'd say which I know you've touched on like all throughout the podcast is the sunlight portion of it right oh my god my the circadian rhythm portion of that really changed my entire life because I think when I realized Okay, you have to live within the rhythms of the—I mean, we're solar-powered. It's just a fact, and so are our bacteria that live in our gut. And so we have to change our lifestyle a little bit to fit that better. And once I started to, like, get bright light, natural bright light in the morning, and really cut out the blue lights at night— because I would, you know, be on the computer and be on my phone yeah. and watch a show at the background and then have big overhead lights. And then I wonder why I couldn't sleep, you know. And now I'm like, oh, cleaning that up can improve your sleep and then your energy levels the next day mm. because your body is more in tune with what it's supposed to be seeing at night. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is just such a cool conversation between, you know, a nutritionist and a physician talking all about gut health. And there you guys have heard it all about how your gut microbiome literally plays a role in everything, your your mental health, your cravings, the things that can really wreak havoc on your gut and some simple things that you can do to start rebalancing your gut. But if you are somebody who has major gut issues, depression, anxiety, I think always seeking help, getting help with a dietitian, a physician who also understands really the power of your gut microbiome and how that plays a role is so massively important and thank you so much for coming on my show here today I think just this conversation even too about bridging the gap between you know the fitness world and then the holistic world is something that like we need to start talking about more yeah um where can people find you find out more about um your upcoming book I know that you're launching your social media what's the best place to get okay so my website is amymdwellness.com. That's kind of the hub. Um, on Instagram, I'm at FastingMD. On um, Twitter and Facebook, I'm at MD. And um, my book that I have is called I'm So Effing Tired. And then I have an upcoming book, which I'll kind of like keep it a secret. I know I've talked to you yeah. about it a little bit, it's but it's coming soon. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a secret. It's going to yeah. be awesome though, you guys. But check out her first book. I've read that and so many of my clients have read her book. I'm so effing tired, especially if you're someone who wants to learn a little bit more about circadian rhythm, fasting, you know, everything that we even talked about here today. And you're someone who's been in burnout before, like me, like she yeah. has before. And what you can do to spot that and really get yourself out of that burnout overall. But we'll put everything here in the show notes, all the links to follow Dr. Amy Shaw. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. Thank you, Rachel. It was so fun. It was like talking to an old friend. Yes. (laughs) And this is then Sheer Madness.